We've seen a lot this year. Hatred and division, acceptance and hope. We've met new people and said goodbye to others. We've seen war and violence and experienced love and peace. We've seen controversy and we've seen community. But the one constant, the one thread running through it all has been Jesus. He has never left us, never forsaken us. He's the same today as he was yesterday. In our darkest moments, he was our light. In our deepest fears, he was our confidence. In our victories, he was our strength. In our failures, he was our grace. His love for us has never failed. As we begin a new year, let's make it our mission to be more like Jesus. To love more, care deeper, stand stronger, serve passionately, share constantly. May our faith be more than a title. May the very fabric of our being be consumed with Jesus. This is our calling. This is our mission. This is a new year. So over 100 years ago, in uh, 19, the year 1900, a German chocolate company released 12 postcards predicting what life might be like 100 years into the future. 1900, 12 postcards. These predictions were pretty far out there, let me tell you. Um, they were really, really science fiction. And starting in January, they placed a card in each box of chocolate with what was described as a fantastical prediction of what the future holds. I'm going to show you six of those. First of all, uh, the first postcard was this. Um, this is watching a live drama performance while not at the theater. Could you imagine actually being able to see something that was happening somewhere else, not being there? Uh, the second thing was an x-ray machine for police officers, you know, to, to detect crimes in progress um, around corners or in buildings. I don't know. You know, they have those things that show heat inside buildings. There's video cameras everywhere. Um, number three, moving sidewalks. Could you imagine a sidewalk that moves? Airports, right? We have stairs that move. Who would have thought that even possible? Um, underwater ships for tourists. You know, like taking a carnival or a Norwegian cruise vacation in a submarine. Has anybody ever been on one of those tours that go under the, under the water and, and there's glass and you can see all the fish and stuff? What's that? Right. All right. What about this one? Easy excursions to the North Pole. No way. Nobody could go there. Alaska, the Great White North. Notice what they're using for transportation, right? Airships. They had airships in the early 1900s, right? Um, a particular airship didn't turn out so well, if my memory serves 
Um, and then, of course, personal airships. You know, couples that could just fly around and go places wherever they wanted to, not, not on any roads or anything. Science fiction, right? In 1900, yes. But in the year 2023, no. Couples can go in personal airships, so to speak. That was, that was a really cold trip to Minnesota. I mean, it was really cold. All of us were hunkered down in the plane. There's our two dogs in the back seat. Um, they love to fly too. Uh, here's the thing. You never know what's going to happen in the future, right? My grandmother was born in 1900, and, and she died in 1993, 93 years in, in that century of unbelievable, unbelievable change. You know, I, I was always in awe that my dad was alive when they invented the aluminum wheat scoop. You know, he had to use a steel one. That was really heavy. Um, he also remembers electricity coming to to the house. He said every day you, you'd see a couple more lights, a couple more yard lights coming up the highway towards Albin from Pine Bluffs. I just never stopped to think about how blessed we really are in, with the life that we live today. Um, here's, another, here's another illustration. At the turn of the century, last century, okay, in the year 2000, uh, or this century, Blockbuster reigned supreme. Anybody remember Blockbuster video? Everybody, you know, you, you would go there. I mean, some of you kids don't remember this, but not every house had a VCR in it either. I mean, I remember the days where you would reserve and rent a VCR along with the VHS tapes that had the movie on them. Anyway, uh, Blockbuster was reigning supreme in the video rental industry in the year 2000. Um, you know, if your, movie cra- if your family craved a movie, you would have to go to a Blockbuster. And then they, they started adding popcorn and all kinds of snacks and stuff. You could, I mean, they were all in, right, in, in this, uh, this way of, of renting videos. Well, um, when Reed Hastings, the founder of a fledgling startup company called Netflix, in the year 2000, contacted Blockbuster and said, hey, I think we should go into a partnership. They, they finally convinced Blockbuster to sit down with them. They sat down with them, um, and uh, let's see. Let me, let me find the place in this. Um, so so the, the CEO, uh, John Antioco, of, uh, that was Blockbuster, he said, let's, let's meet. So, so the Netflix team shows up in T-shirts and flip-flops to this meeting, and the blockbuster dudes are, of course, in suits, ties. It's, it's you know, they're, they're pretty serious businessmen. Uh, Mr. Hastings delivered the best pitch he could muster for this partnership. Ed Stead, Antiochos' right-hand man said, and I quote, the dot-com, this is year 2000, the dot-com hysteria is completely overblown. If we were to buy you out, what are you thinking? And the Netflix founder said, $50 million dollars to which they laughed. They laughed them out of the boardroom, and despite changing consumer preferences, Blockbuster doubled down on its store-first model. And not 10 years later, in the year 2010, Netflix became the largest source of streaming internet traffic in North America during peak hours with over 20 million subscribers. I bet that's even more now. And today, Netflix takes in almost $30 billion per year in revenue. Seen a blockbuster lately? 
they blew their chance to stay in the market. You never know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen later today. You know, we try our best to control it. We, we try our best to know it. I mean, I wish, I wish every blizzard forecast occurred. I wish every time they forecasted 20 inches of snow, we got it. I know the ranchers, and I, I, I understand that makes life hard for you. But I live in the city. I don't care. <laughs> I just want an opportunity to push that snow with my neighbor's four-wheeler. Or one I borrowed from you. Yeah, exactly. We, we want to know, and, and sometimes it's like, yes, this is going to be the one, or this is going to be the time, or this is going to be the thing. But we don't know if it is, because we don't have that kind of control. You know, I've been, I've been reading posts about both positive and negative about the year 2022. A lot of negativity out there about the year 2022. I mean, one person was like, I hate you, year 2022. I'm like, wow. I mean, must have been a rough end of the year for, for this family. And you couldn't have told it by their Facebook post during the year because, I mean, all of the pictures for the year were just wonderful. So I have no idea what, what they were actually experiencing. But, um, and, and then I've been seeing a lot of news reports and predictions for the year 2023. And if you, if you open a, a web page and pull up a news organization, there is even more negativity about what's coming than what we just went through. And though we, have, though we, we look at a new year as a clean slate, that negativity starts to creep in and we're like, yep, this was just going to be the same old garbage as we experienced last year. How could it, how could it get any worse? And then maybe it does. Or, or, you know, we always think, okay, it's going to be better. It's gonna, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do more. I'm going to... And then what happens? See, the enemy wields negativity in our lives like a double-edged sword, uh, trying to do as much destruction as he can. And, and I, I could make a long list of things that went wrong in the year 2022, uh, from, from flight cancellations to transmissions and tires and motors and insurance and storm damage and floods and fires and hail. And I mean, you really, you name it. We can come up with a long list of things that we wished hadn't happened in the year 2022. But look, we're all right here, right now, breathing. We're all upright. You were able to come to church. Um, hopefully, you're healthy. You didn't bring the flu with you when you came to church this morning. Um, Most of that stuff, that, that, that destruction stuff, the negativity stuff, you know, we, we, we think 2023 is going to come in wheeling and dealing destruction and discouragement. And, and that, again, that's what the enemy, that's what the enemy wants us to think. That's what the enemy wants us to focus on. Uh, the truth of the matter, though, is we simply don't know what this new year is going to hold for us. We don't have any idea um, we don't have that kind of control. Yes, there is some trouble carryover from the year 2022. There's, some of you are experiencing things right now that started last year or maybe even started the year before that. You're not through it yet. You're still in the midst of that. I, I understand that. But there is, and, and there is some trouble carryover, but it will pass. I know that from experience. Boy, do I know that from experience. You know, I don't, I don't know that my troubles in my life and with those that I love is any more difficult than yours. 
But there were times, Dick knows this, there were times where, man, I'm sitting on his deck just a mess. Because it doesn't feel like this is going to pass. And it hurts. And I don't like experiencing this. And I don't like the people I love experiencing this. But I can stand here before you today and tell you that, that it passed. Jesus Christ is as firmly on his throne today as he was when I was sitting on Dick's deck or, or when you were in, 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 at the hospital waiting for a loved one to, to take their last breath or, or whatever it is. Jesus is as firmly today on his throne as he ever has been. I'm not sure I really want to know what's coming next week or next month. Honestly, could you imagine having your whole life played out before you like a novel? God gave you a book and said, hey, this is, this is your life. And you could read it. I mean, I, I think honestly, I would probably just want to curl, curl up and die right there because I, I'm so thankful that God is in charge and I'm not. Because when we go it alone and we try to control things and we try to handle things, we get impatient, we make terrible decisions, we mess things up, the enemy sways those decisions and choices, and, and, I, and I, I personally end up in a mess. So, so what to do? Yes, this is a new year, and, and we don't know what is going to happen, but we can totally enter the year 2023 with confidence, with hope, not with discouragement, because our Lord and King, as I said, is firmly seated on his throne, just as much as when those tragic things happened to you in 2022, and just as much when good things or bad things happen to us in the year 2023. Jesus is who he is. He always has been. He always will be. Always. Now, we aren't starting the book of Hebrews today in earnest this morning, but when I came up with this thought of New Year, same Jesus, and I started thinking about this, it took me to a verse, a couple verses in the book of Hebrews, which is where we're going to start next week in earnest going through the book of Hebrews. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Heroes, Hebrews, Heroes, well, that's in there too, Hebrews 13, Hebrews chapter 13. Now, in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer is finishing up some thoughts. Like, I mean, this is just like, okay, I, I wanted to mention this, and I wanted to mention this, and I wanted to mention, so he, he like lists them all in, in the last chapter of Hebrews chapter 13. And in the midst of that, if you look at verse 8, Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And this is a theme that goes on through the book of Hebrews. If we go back, flip to Hebrews chapter 1 real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12. Hebrews 1, 10, 11, and 12. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The same 
yesterday, today, and forever. This truth is a character trait of our God and Creator, of our Savior and of our King, and our Holy Spirit and our guide. You see, God is immutable. Write that down in your notes. Immutable. You can use that. Wow, you're friends with that word this week. Immutable. What does it mean for something to be immutable? I mean, I've, used, I've got marker on my pants, and you read on there, it says indelible. Immutable. What does it mean? It means that God is unchanging. He is unable to be changed. Nothing can put pressure on God that's going to make him change in any way outside of his character. And in that eternal existence, he is unchanging. He's always been. And he always will be. And that is a comfort to me. Because I'm like, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. My God is still the same. He will always be the same. He will always be the same. You know, for the most part, our kids think that of us as parents. They know that they could always come home and that home will always be home. Wherever home is, whatever the address is, if mom and dad are there, that's home. I still once in a while refer to Alvin as home, though that is way, way, way in my rearview mirror. When I go home, I feel like I'm home. There's just this history. There's just this comfort and this sense of peace that this is a good place. I hope that we all experience that when we go home to our homes. The writer of Hebrews challenges... Now, this is, I'm just going to kind of give you a quick overview. Save me some time next week. The writer of Hebrews challenges his readers to fix their eyes on Jesus and run the race with perseverance, right? Right? That's chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And as long as we are fixing our eyes on him, we can, in fact, run without losing heart. That's Hebrews 12, verse 3. And as Christ followers, we, are, uh, we can be encouraged that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And believers should imitate the examples of those who have had faith in the same God that we have our faith in. That's Hebrews 13, verse 6. But all this encouragement and direction is only helpful if God is unchanging. It's only true if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because if God arbitrarily changes his character, then how can we have confidence that he will do what he says he will do? that he has done what he said he would do. And if we can't rely on him to do what he has said, then we cannot have confidence and certainty. It's impossible to run the race with endurance because you never know what might change in the future. That's why I never can understand someone who believes that they just have to be good enough to get to heaven. They just have to be good enough to get God's okay for them because it's like, so what is good enough? How do you know what that is? Which, which small mistake takes you over that line of okay to not okay? Well, it's anyone. It's any mistake, right? It's any sin that takes us over that line. It's impossible 
for us to be good enough. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus had to come. Hebrews 13.8 gives us wonderful assurance. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to remind us of that this morning. First of all, Jesus is the same yesterday. Jesus is the same yesterday. Jesus wasn't some trendy preacher who rose to popularity and then faded away into the background somewhere. I mean, we could all think of trendy preachers that we've listened to over the years, and they may or may not be popular today because they have just faded into the background. Jesus has always existed as God. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. We know word is Jesus. John 8, 58, Verily, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. I was. I am God. Over and over and over, uh, we see Jesus in the Old Testament. Those verses were from the New. Well, what about the Old all things were created by him. In Genesis 1.26, we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, present right there. And we see Jesus in the Old Testament in the form of what uh, theologians call Christophanies. Christophanies. A Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. So Jesus was existent, and we presume that he wasn't existent necessarily in the form of a man until he became a man when he was born. But he still was. So what was he? What did he look like before he gave up his space in heaven? Well, One Christophany is found in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 33. We're not going to read that. That's when the Lord appeared to Abram in human form. Okay, such tangible encounters with deity are scattered throughout the Old Testament. Moses encountered Jesus at the burning bush. I'm telling you, it was Jesus. Because... He says, take your sandals off because you are standing on holy ground. No other created being would say that. Only God would say that. Um, When Moses struck the the rock for water, I've I've studied this one for a long time. Um, It's interesting, and again, I don't have time to go into this, but, but read that passage and think about it. When Jesus was the rock. Jesus provides living water. He provided, God provided living water for the Israelites in that moment. God told him to strike it once. Moses struck it once, but then what did he do? He hit it again. He was punished for that. Why? I don't know. It was, it was either, either symbolically Christ was, in, was that rock or, or literally. I don't know. But Jesus was to be struck once. And he was on our behalf on the cross. Here here are some passages for us this morning. Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 and 13. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. This is after, um, you know, Abraham took matters into his own hand and said, well, God isn't providing us with a child, so I'm going to do it this way. And we know that he just needed to be patient 
Because God knew what he was doing, but he didn't. He, um, Hagar became pregnant, had a child, and then, of course, you know the rest of the story. Um, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. Okay, one other thing. If you're looking in your Bible, how is Lord spelled? How is Lord spelled? I know it's L-O-R-D, but what do the letters look like? All small caps, right? You know why those, anytime in, in the Old Testament, you see the word Lord in all small caps. It is the translation of the word Yahweh. Every time. It's Yahweh. The angel, uh, I'm sorry, she gave this name to Yahweh who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Jesus, God, powerful and loving and kind, the same yesterday. You see, God cared for Hagar. Abraham saw Jesus in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, starting in verse 11. This is 11 and then 15 and 16. But the angel, okay, this is the most common reference. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. The angel of the Lord. This is not a created angel. This, I believe, and from what I've read, is a Christophany. This is Jesus himself in whatever form he was in before he became a man. Verse 15 and 16. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from, from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, and then it goes on. The angel of the Lord. I swear by myself. Only God can do that. Jesus was an active part of setting up history in the future of, by showing us early, early on that a sacrifice will be made that will save, just as the ram provided by God saved Isaac. So will the Lamb of God provided by God save us? The angel of the Lord. Jesus is the same yesterday. Christophanies are also found in Judges 5.23, 2 Kings 19.35, Daniel 3.25. I just wanted to put these up here so you could write them down. Also, Psalm 102 is a, a wonderful psalm to reflect and meditate on this first week of the new year. The writer of Psalm 102 communicates beautifully that God existed always, verse 24. That he created the heavens and the earth, verse 25. And that even though the creation... The creation changes, verse 26. God does not, verse 27. He doesn't. Because of those universal truths, the writer can be confident that God will keep his promises, verse 28. As Samuel once put it, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. He is not a man that he should change his mind. Even when the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, became a man, he did not lie. He did not change his mind about those things that had been spoken. They were just as they had been prophesied. Jesus remained faithful to his word, his own word, modeling by example that the means to withstand temptation and testing is to hold true and fast to God's word. Remember when Jesus was tempted? What did he say? 
can't eat by bread alone, but by the word of God. We can be confident. God has always been trustworthy and true in his word. We can be confident today as well. Jesus is the same yesterday, and Jesus is also the same today. He came in the flesh as a man in order to pay the human price owed to God for sin on behalf of all of humanity. That is what he did on the cross. Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, Paul says, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he is in heaven right now today, alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's working. He's interceding on your behalf. Think about that. The Savior of the world is interceding on your behalf. John 14, 1 through 3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you? Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He is today, right now, preparing a place for us. I don't know what that looks like, but he said he is, and I believe it. Because he always does what he says he's going to do. Some of you may think that that place he's preparing for me is a ski slope with lots of snow on it. I don't know. What about what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. No, more than that, Paul says, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Yes, he is doing that right now on your behalf if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the universe, is interceding for us. On your behalf, Jesus is the same yesterday. He has always been loving, just, forgiving, serving. Jesus is the same today, interceding to the Father on our behalf. Preparing an eternal place for us. And number three, Jesus is the same forever. He has always been. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's an eternal thing. That's a one-day thing. That's a someday thing. He will rule as king, and he will dwell with humanity forever. The entire chapter of Revelation 22. I tried to pick a verse out of there. I couldn't do it. Just write Revelation 22 and, and read that when you have a chance. See, God's had this consistent plan from the very beginning. This is not Jesus coming to die on the cross was not plan B. It was always the plan. It was always the plan. And he's been faithfully executing that plan, always keeping his word, and always completely trustworthy. 100%. Sometimes we think, well, we need, to, we need to love God like we love our earthly fathers. Well, praise God our earthly fathers are not like God. I mean, God is not like our earthly fathers. I wish they were. I wish I was. I wish I knew every time that when I made a decision or I... I, uh, I disciplined my children that, that it was the right thing to do, 100%. I, I don't. You know, I do the best that I can, and, and I try to be prayerful about all of that, and I try to be patient and, and, and 
consider peace in the family. And, but I make mistakes. I can write some of those down. I know them. But you see, our Heavenly Father never, ever, ever makes a mistake. Ever. Jesus is hanging on the cross. God wasn't thinking, oh man, I wish, I wish things had turned out differently. He knew that was going to happen. From the beginning, you know, he has a consistent plan and he's always trustworthy. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And being the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ is unchanging and unchangeable. No sin, no distress, or complication will cause him to abandon you. His love is constant and as strong as death, Solomon says in Song of Solomon 8, 6. We can therefore have full confidence that he who began a good work in you, what? Will finish it. I mean, if we trust God enough to save us, we can trust him to complete us, right? To finish us? To do the work? It, and at some point, it's kind of, it's kind of the ball is in our court. Am I going to surrender to him what needs to be surrendered? Am I going to sacrifice what he's asking me to sacrifice? Or am I going to fight him? We can trust Jesus implicitly in the year 2023. No matter what the year has in store for us. Doesn't matter. Because Jesus promises to work towards completion, the work that he is doing in your life right now. He will continue that in 2023. Experience, growth, purification, maturity, knowledge, faith, hope, love. He's molding and shaping each and every one of us. He will bring the good and use that intended for evil to your benefit. Guaranteed. That's what he's up to. And we can trust, we can be confident in that. In, in uh, Philippians 1.6, Paul says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus won't walk away from our lives and leave them unfinished. I know you might be in the middle of something right now, and you're just like, there is no way that's true. I'm telling you, I've been in the middle of stuff that you're in the middle of right now, and it is true. It is true. We just keep surrendering and following, and he will keep leading and growing us. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, our good and great shepherd, goes before us into the future. 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never, never fade away. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Those who have gone before us who were Christ followers and took their last breath already. A statement that my brother always says is, now he knows. Now she knows. Completely. 100%. And it will never fade. They shall, they have seen him as he is. I can't wait. All right, so what do we do? What do we do in the year 2023 to, what are the action points for today? So what, that Jesus is, is um, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I say we live in confidence in the year 2023 because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's five actions that we can take this year that will give us hope and strength every day, no matter what happens. First of all, trust God's word unwaveringly unwaveringly. This is the truth. This is God's truth. If we have a different opinion than what this says, we change our opinion, not the other way around. We don't get that privilege. In fact, there are strong cautions against that in the book of Revelation. His word is final. We're not to mess with it. We are to trust it completely. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every one of us is in the process somewhere of that, being rebuked, being taught, being corrected, being trained for righteousness. God's Word is adequate. We need to trust it unwaveringly. It's all true. We must submit our lives to these pages, not these pages to our life. Trust God's word unwaveringly in 2023. Number two, pray without ceasing. Um, 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Pray without ceasing. Prayer must be first in the good and the bad. Bob mentioned worship. That's part of our communication with God. That's part of our prayer with him. Daily, hourly, sometimes it's even minute-to-minute communication with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Big decision to make? Man, you better bring it to the feet of Jesus first. It's the first place. It should be our first response. Loved ones struggling, bring it to Jesus. You name it. Have you received an answer? Communicate gratefulness in prayer. I, you know, we did this years ago, years ago, when the, when the irrigation tunnel collapsed and we had no water. Churches gathered together at the, the arena, and there were hundreds of people there. Um, and, and we had a time of worship and we had a time of intercessory prayer that God would, would help us. And you know, he did. He did. I heard from people who, they have no idea why their crop was so good. Lots of dew that year. God, God did his thing, what only he could do. And, and when we met, we said, when, when, when God answers our prayer, we're going to come back. And we're going to have a time of thankfulness. And we did. But there was like 30 people there. You see, that's, that's how... 
That's common to us, isn't it? Pray, 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 pray. God, I want this. God, I want this. And then he gives it to us and we just act like it, he owed it to us or something. We're not grateful. We're not thankful. We, we, need to, we need to be serious about our prayers. We need to be grateful. Pray without ceasing. Number three, take action in faith. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Look, step through that open door. If God's opened a door for you, take a step through it. Um, put your hand, uh, bear witness to Jesus, to a neighbor or a family member. If you have an opportunity to pray for somebody, and instead of saying, I'll pray for you, do it right there. Say, hey, can I pray for you right now? Um, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them in the name of Jesus. And expect him to answer. That's what he wants. Take action in faith. Write down your story. Some of you have messaged me in the last month or two and said, and I said, put pen to paper. Have you put pen to paper yet? If you haven't, put it to paper and then call me. Take action. Works of service in the name of Jesus. Take action in faith. The fourth one is be on guard for the enemy. Because he's alive and well. And it seems like he's working overtime. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. You see, the enemy wants you to be discouraged. The enemy wants you to give up. The enemy wants you to lose hope. The enemy wants you to fail and make a terrible, selfish, and, self and self-indulgent decision. Don't give the enemy that kind of power over you because he doesn't have that kind of power anymore. When you became a Christ follower, God took that power away from him. We give him that power. We surrender ourselves to him. Let's not do that this year. Allow yourself to be restored. Stand in the gap for a friend. Watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And because of all we've been hearing this morning, we can take on 2023 with confidence. We absolutely can take on 2023 with confidence. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Yeah, worship team, that's your cue. Come on up. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Yeah, see, there's this idea of restoration, which means there's the idea of us needing to be restored. We're broken. We are. But he's, he, he wants to restore us. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you? See, our suffering has a purpose. It really does. He, he uses it to restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Let's take on 2023 with confidence. Let's, let's trust God's word unwaveringly. Let's pray without ceasing. Let's take action in faith. Let's be on guard for our enemy because the spiritual battle is real. New year, same Jesus. Pastor Michael put this picture on Facebook a couple days ago. I thought it was great. Never be afraid to trust an unknown new year to a known God. Let's do that. Go ahead. So as we uh, prepare for communion, I wanted to, we're going to sing a song together that I think will help us really prepare ourselves. I, I think sometimes communion becomes, I've been in churches where they did communion every Sunday, and it just became another thing that they did. And, and it, it's more important than that. It is not something that is just a, a passing thing that happens. Uh, it's very important, and it's very important that we approach it correctly. And uh, so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, to do that. I want you to think about what is it, God? What is it that is between you and me that I need to lay down? What is it I need to give up? What is it I need to give you control over? And I want you to do that before you take communion. I think it will it, it, it'll be amazing, I think, when you really let that stuff go and then take communion and make that, that promise that God gave us through Jesus make that real in our lives for even the little things that they just seem small and petty, but they're the things that get between us and God. So this morning as we sing this, um, the ushers will come up as we're singing and prepare uh, to hand out the, uh, the elements. When you get them, feel free to take them as you're ready, and then we'll bring everybody back together as we finish the song and let's sing together. I don't have a context 
for that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend all I know is I need you I run to the Father follow of grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again oh oh again and again and again and again If you're not a member of North Hills, that's okay. Something that Jesus gave us to help remind us of what he did for us on the cross. When he shared that last supper with his disciples, he broke the bread and he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you, and it was. And then he took the cup, a second time he took the cup, actually. He reappropriated the cup from the Passover. And he said, this cup represents my blood. It's going to be shed for you. And it was. All of it. Jesus was dead. Then he rose from it. He rose from that grave. And he appeared to hundreds. And they bore witness to what he did and what he said. This morning we remember. And as Bob said, if you're still doing business with God, that's great. Take your time broken body. This is his shed blood. Let's remember the significant event that Jesus did to save us. Text. 
don't understand I can't comprehend All I know is I need you Run to the Father Fall into grace Done with the hiding Reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I run to the Father Again and again And again and again Father, I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait, my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Again and again. Oh, oh, oh. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again and again. Father God, may that be true of us. May we run to you again and again and again. May that be our first response. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, giving up heaven to be the Lamb of God. The Lamb that saves and the great shepherd who leads. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you this year. God, may today be the beginning of, of a year where we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know you. Help us. Help us to follow your word unwaveringly. Help us to love those near us. 
us to serve. Thank you for this moment on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week.